This podcast is proudly sponsored by Joro Protein, a Rhode Island plant-based protein supplement company designed for athletes and adventurers. They deliver 25 grams of protein, 5 grams of BCAAs, and 18 essential vitamins and minerals. It's non-GMO, it's gluten-free, it's allergen-free, no artificial flavors, no added sugar or stevia, and it has no additional gums, thickeners, or fillers. Right now, you can get 30% off on this podcast with the code JOROROADYSTRENGTH2022, and you can find them at JOROPROTEIN.COM. This podcast is brought to you by Phase CBD. That's P-H-A-Z-E. They are a local Rhode Island company who makes and manufactures a wide-ranging variety of CBD products that are formulated specifically for athletes. It doesn't matter if you're a crossfitter, a strongman, bodybuilder, or powerlifter. These products are for you. These products range from tinctures to seltzers to even roll-on applicants. By supporting this business, you're supporting a local Rhode Island business and you're supporting this podcast directly. Please check them out at phasesports.com. Hey, what's up, Brian? Not much, man. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Thanks for hopping on with me. Absolutely. So I am outside um, because my dog is special. And he's afraid of the washing machine. Um, <laughs> so if there's any sound, because I have the headphones on, like if there's any sound that's like getting in the way of the audio, I'll run inside. He'll stay outside. It doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, no, I mean, it sounds pretty good right now. Am I coming through okay? Yeah, you're coming through. There was just a guy like blowing the four leaves that fell off the tree since oh. last week. I mean, I guess they pay him for it, so they have to do something, but it's like... Hey, it's like, all right, it's warm out, time for spring cleaning. <laughs> right, right. I don't know what's going on with all of that. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, totally appreciate you hopping on. And um, actually, as I was going through some of your um, like your Instagram and just getting ready for uh, this podcast, I saw your dog on there. And yeah, what kind of, that's a super cool looking dog. What kind of dog is that? So he's a Boykin Spaniel. Okay. Um, which is a newer breed. Um, it's actually the, the state dog of South Carolina. Okay. Um, so like they're bred close here cause we're in North Georgia. Yeah. Um, and it's like a mix between like a cocker and an American water dog, like the kind that Obama had. Sure. So, so they don't, um they don't shed too much it's more like a it's more like human hair so there's a lot of it so it still falls out um and they're they're like retrieving dogs that's so cool i just got a chocolate lab myself and i and i saw the picture of your dog quickly and and, uh, my chocolate lab is a puppy he's five months old and their faces look identical yeah they look so yeah and like and everything i'm like oh my god is it chocolate lab and then i saw another picture and i saw all the long hair i'm like no way what kind of dog is that that's pretty cool yeah yeah it's um when he was a puppy before the hair really grew a lot of people thought he was a chocolate lab yeah but now i mean that doesn't happen too often anymore but every now and then we still get someone who's like oh that's a really cute chocolate lab puppy and i'm like no he's (laughs) five years old he's full grown yeah yeah um so yeah no that's that was cool i wanted to make sure i asked you about that so um just to start off uh, i know and I, again thank you i know you're probably crazy busy with the uh the open right now getting everybody prepped up for that and uh we got the announcement three hours <laughs> in about three hours yeah. that's gonna be which i'm super pumped for um do you have any any predictions on that Oh, I've kind of stopped trying to worry about all of that. Like I have a handful of athletes who still like to play the game and it's just like, there's no point in putting any mental energy into it, you know, especially for us. Like we, all of us coach somewhere between on the low end. I think maybe one or two of the coaches have like 10 or 12 athletes, but most of us are closer to 20 to 25 Wow. So it's like as as soon as the open gets announced, it's like it is a scramble to get programs out, the online programs altered, and taking any like time worrying about anything else is just not not worth my you know energy. So this is a little bit like the calm before the storm right now. Yeah, yeah. There's 
nothing we can do. Like I'm running a load of laundry, cleaning <laughs> up the house, and then I'll head over to the gym. I'll probably leave here around two or two fifteen, just in case there's some traffic. But yeah, there's nothing to. There's literally nothing to do until three p.m. And uh, another question on that. So in years past, I remember them announcing it later in the day. Like I think it was like five p.m. Pacific time, maybe like or. or I remember watching it here. I, I, I know you're probably in the same time zone, East Coast, around like eight p.m. Yeah. Are they announcing it earlier now? They are. Yes. Um, those nights were awful because <laughs> like we were still getting it out. Like everyone's trying to get their strategy to you. Basically, it was we would I would just stay up until about eleven thirty or midnight, and then you wake up the next day at seven immediately get to work um go into the gym around nine start judging people until one or two p.m and then back into writing programs like your your own fitness has to take a back seat sure and then you're destroyed like saturday wouldn't have been productive either from your fitness perspective and yeah so it's a very welcome change for all of us that's good that yeah that's nice so and and do you guys have like a do you have like a watch party per se? Does, does everybody kind of like go yeah? Yeah. So I don't know. Have you ever seen any of the videos of like our podcast in that like I, huge room? No, I haven't. Okay, so we we have like a huge, like a big room that's probably it's like it used to be two individual offices and they knocked down the wall, um, or maybe even more than that, but. So now there's like a huge table that can seat seven or eight people around it comfortably. And then it's pushed against the wall, which is why it can't seat more. And we have the TV there. And then there's plenty of space for people to drag in chairs, stand up in the back. Um, so probably all but three or four people from the staff will be there. I know we have a couple of people who are out of town this week. Cool. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. But yeah, it's, that's one thing that has always been really fun is to like predict, not predict the workout, but like predict what you think the scores are going to be and stuff like that, you know, betting on who's going to win the workout and um, just kind of having fun with it before you start like really diving into work. Yeah. I'm excited for, cause I think historically they've always had a really good like production value too of like the whole, like unveiling of the open workout like back obviously when castro was doing it like he did an incredible job like kind of like uh just the way he presents it and, the, and like the way he like uh had like and but wait there's more type of like uh yeah way he says things so it's always like really like entertaining it's like fun to watch yeah. yeah so um back when i was so i used to manage a crossfit gym in new orleans and we hosted uh the 2014 open announcement um <laughs> And ironically, Alessandra Pacelli um, was the athlete, and I was like her cameraman's escort to make sure that nobody got in the way of tripping him. And then I ended up like writing her running programming, like what, six, seven years later. Oh, no um, yeah, it's just kind of funny how that how that worked out. But man, when you talk about like they are prepared, like they spend so much time rehearsing the announcement going through everything it was really cool to watch that's awesome yeah you, i mean you can tell they do a really good job with it it's really entertaining yeah and castro man he loves playing that role i you know i, I know a lot of people didn't like him maybe it was time for a change for the sport just from like a getting away from a specific subset of biases in the programming mm. but his personality suits that role so well. And I was kind of sad to see him not be able to play it anymore. Yeah. I, and I mean, I know like um, they let him go, but now he's back um, as an affiliate. He's an affiliate manager or something. He has some role, right? right? Unclear to me. Yeah. Something like that. So I know that he's like, at least has some ties with the organization. So I wonder if they'll, bring him on in some role as far as an announcement that would be cool if they did that this year it, but we'll see what happens it, yeah i mean it wouldn't surprise me because i mean who in the organization is 
more recognizable. Totally. I mean, that, you know, it, he, like, I mean, everyone knows who Bosman is, but, like, yeah. Castro is still kind of the face of the games when people think about who runs the games. Yeah, yeah. That would be cool if they incorporate him somehow, but we'll, we'll see We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, for sure. But, uh, so I want to get into um, a little bit about uh, your bio, and I guess I'll give a, a, just a brief overview of um, uh, kind of where you're coming from. So you're a coach over at Train Things Tank uh, since yep. 2015. So you've been there for a while. I have, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, I was actually one of the original athletes under Max in 2013. So when Max like created the company, I was an athlete under him. And so I've always kind of had a tie to the brand. You said in 2013? Yeah. Yeah. Like back when I was still trying to compete in CrossFit, pretending <laughs> like I was a good athlete. <laughs> hey, you were, you, you, um, I, I did some research on you. You made a regional twice, 2013, 2014. Yeah. So that was, that was on a team. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was. I guess I was an okay CrossFitter. And one of the big things, like I had capacity, I had strength and very poor movement quality. So <laughs> um, CrossFit just exposed that really bad. Yeah. So like, you know, trying to go through squat snatches and stuff like that just wasn't really my jam. Totally. No, I, I feel that. I, I definitely feel like I'm, I'm a bit in the same boat with a lot of that stuff, especially when it comes to the gymnastics. I, mean, I feel a lot of people struggle with that too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. It's probably one of the most common like limitations in the sport, even, even in people who perform at the high levels, like you watch some of these games athletes move and you're like, Ooh, like that could be cleaned up in a major way. Like you're still leaving a lot on the table right now. Totally. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, so a little bit more into your bio. So, I mean, you have a background, um, playing soccer, uh, playing baseball, high school and, and collegiate level. Um, I stopped soccer after my freshman year of high school. Um, yeah, without going into too much detail, I was told I would be on the JV team as a sophomore and I knew that I was going to start in baseball as a sophomore and in Louisiana, those sports overlap. Um, um, so I would have missed like probably like a fifth of the baseball season because our soccer team was very good. Um, and I probably, I would have gotten brought up onto the varsity team, like for the playoffs or whatever. And, and I had no desire to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. And then, uh, well, and we'll definitely dive more into this, but, uh, so you started CrossFit after college and then even, even from there you got into, um, or, or what you're competing in now is more of the, uh, distance running marathoning. Mm -hmm. Um, and then your, your clientele, obviously we'll get more into this, but, uh, uh, you've worked with CrossFitters, bodybuilders, baseball players, marathon runners, and then just people, just general fitness. And, yep. um, I got to on that as well and then uh, like you said you're in uh alpharetta georgia working at training tank the, the hq yeah yep um that's pretty much <laughs> sums up how i got here um so cool. yeah um so we're kind of skipping around a little bit which is awesome i love it but uh so i usually start these podcasts off with a, a couple of rapid fire questions i just kind of find them interesting and uh All right. I, I, sometimes they spur some discussion so uh and this could be, this could be anywhere in the U.S. But if you have a favorite coffee shop, I'm guessing probably somewhere in Georgia, but it could be anywhere. Yeah. So I have a favorite coffee shop everywhere that I go regularly. <laughs> um, big coffee person. Um, in Alpharetta, I guess technically it's in Roswell, which is the adjoining city to Alpharetta, um, is Pops Coffee Shop. It is attached to a motorcycle shop. And they do exclusively, well, not exclusively pour overs, but it's like all like handcrafted coffee, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's my go-to for sure. That's awesome. I, uh, I had the opportunity to go down to Alpharetta. It was, it was a few years ago. My, um, my fiance, her, her parents lived there at the time, but they've since moved. And uh, so now I, I have no excuse to go down there, but 
I'm sure at one at one point or another, because Alfred is right, it's right north of um, Atlanta, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. I'm sure at some point I'll, I'll find my way down there and I'll keep my eyes open for that Pots Coffee Shop. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, I in my opinion, it's the best just like re- cup of coffee in the city. It might not be the best like from a work standpoint or whatever, but if I'm just getting coffee, like that's that's where I prefer to go. Love it. Uh, next one we got is a very similar question, but favorite go-to breakfast. Now, a lot of people will say like, I like to make my breakfast at home, like kind of like what's your go-to like uh, standard typical meal that you like to have or ideal meal, I would say. Yeah. So with being in running, as you kind of alluded to earlier, I just do um, Kodiak cakes because it gets me like mostly carbs and protein, not a ton of fat so that I can go straight into my run. It's warm here most of the year. I wouldn't say it's hot. Um, But yeah, like if you're not out out the door by 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning, like some of the heat can become oppressive on 80, 90 minute runs. I totally get that. Um, I, uh, I've only done one marathon, but part of my, when I was like supposed to be peaking for it, I was, uh, on vacation in Aruba. <laughs> so, oh yeah. No. So I totally relate to that. I'm like, okay, if I don't get my run in before 9am, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> like, yeah. that's No, 100%. Which one did you run? Uh, I was at a local one in Rhode Island, the Narragansett marathon. Okay. Uh, it was actually, okay. it was so it was like the gyms were closed and I was like, I'm going to take up running this year <laughs> and, uh, didn't, didn't have like a super like great time. I finished like in just under four hours, which I was really happy about, but, um, it was actually the only marathon in the state that year. It was like, it was a like COVID got bad to cancel all of them. And then it got a little yeah. bit better. They had that one and then it got bad again. They can't. So it was the only one of the year. So oh. I kind of, the with time. Yeah, nice. I had I had a few people do virtual and I was like, there is no way I, I wouldn't run a virtual marathon, like not try. Yeah, like, I would long run it. Sure. But like not not, actually not race it. it. Yeah, I, I feel that especially like that being my first one, like I really wanted the, like the experience of it. So, yeah, For sure. Definitely, it's a yeah. One. Um, that's cool. I, Kodiak cakes are bomb. I love those. Oh, I, yeah. Amazing. So we got next, next rapid fire question. Um, I like this question a lot, but if you're not a big Instagrammer, then uh, you could just say that we'll go on to the next one, but favorite Instagram accounts. And I usually describe this as like maybe something like within the health and fitness field, or it could even be something that you just find like entertaining or something that just pops up on the feed and like that you like seeing. Yeah. Um, I have a few, um, from, so like my, the three that I really like tend to gravitate towards and like and agree with a lot of the stuff they say, not all of the stuff. Um, Steve Magnus, um, which is kind of that, he is a running coach um, who has dived into being an author and doing some research on psychology and stuff like that. Um, BioLane, which is more of a nutrition podcast, or not podcast, uh, Instagram account. And uh, Caleb Watson, who is just a movement person. You said Caleb Watson? Calum. He I think it's a, I think he's Australian. C-A-L-U-M, I believe is how he spells his name. And the first one so with Steve Magnus. Steve Magnus, yeah. Awesome. I've heard of Biolane. I I love his stuff. Um he's very kind of no nonsense. I'm gonna be straight up with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I gravitate to people like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, tell me how it is. <laughs> yeah, <Tell> me- <laughs> yeah. You don't need to sugarcoat it. Just like give me the facts. So let's go. Yeah, I, I like his stuff a lot. But yeah, I'll definitely follow the other two. Um, you said Caleb Watson's more like movement oriented. Steve Magnus is more like run run coaching style. Uh, he's kind of moved away from posting. Like, so he uses a lot of psychology stuff with running as his lens through which to view it. Um, mm-hmm. He himself was a very, very good runner. He has coached many runners. If you follow running, like you'll know a lot of the names of people he's coached. But um, I think kind of the research and being in that field is more where he's going right now. Nice. Cool. 
I like that. All right. Uh, next question we got for you is along the same lines, pretty similar. Uh, favorite podcast could be within the health and fitness field, could be just something else you find interesting. Yeah. So shameless plug of the training think tank Corpus Animus podcast. Um, but I listen to a few podcasts regularly. One is the Compound podcast, which is uh, with Ian Happ, who is a Cubs baseball player, um, and two other guys who are like minor league kind of guys that lived with him during COVID. Um, cool. And then No Stupid Questions, which is an, an economics podcast with Angela Duckworth and Stephen Dubner. Sweet. Love it. I, when doing a little bit of research uh, for this podcast, I, I came across a fact that you were actually named after a Cubs player. I was, yeah, or am, yeah. So I've actually gotten to meet him, so that's been play. that's been cool. Yeah, that's, so you're a big Cubs fan. Huge Cubs fan. We go up there. We try to go up there once a year. I think last year was the first year they had games at the stadium that we didn't get to a game at Wrigley Field since like. 2012 wow so yeah awesome yeah uh kind of next question along the same lines favorite books recent books or maybe just a favorite book in general and this could be audio books too some, something that's uh either yeah either entertaining health fitness or just something that you like yeah i really like um i don't know the right phrase for like the Malcolm Gladwell type books, but things like him and Dan Coyle. Um, so tipping point outliers, culture code, those kind of they're research based books that are told through stories. Mm. Um, some of them are not completely factually accurate, but they're still entertaining. Sure. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Almost like uh, it's this it's a fiction genre but almost with with like some science like science-based facts like this potentially could happen type of scenario in a way um i think that it would be classified as non-fiction because the stories are real right yeah. like um you know talking about like why are there why is there a hotbed of sprinting talent in jamaica and right. like those kind of things but like one of the things that Gladwell points out is the 10,000 hour rule, which is simply not accurate. Sure. Um, so like those kind of things and some of the other explanations for some of the things that he has are maybe not exclusively accurate, right? Like so saying like the Jamaican hotbed of talent is because it's just a cultural thing. Just right eliminates the fact that there is clearly a genetic component to speed did did you also and i want to ask about the ten thousand hour rule and, and so let's start with that as as far as that what's kind of the because obviously the people hear that like okay it takes ten thousand hours to really develop like mastery in something but what mm -hmm. would be that would it, you say like more component i'm sorry uh you broke up just for a second right. what happened so the ten thousand hour rule is I mean, basically the concept is it takes 10,000 hours of, of practice or dedication to something to develop mastery. Mm -hmm. So what, what would be kind of the argument? Okay. That, that doesn't really, um, that's not fully accurate. Well, there, there's more to the story type of thing. Yeah. So the, the premise being 10,000 hours of deep practice, not just, you know, like a lot of people, that's something that needs to be distinguished. Um, but what you see is like, Okay, no, do you follow sprinting sprinting at all, like at the Olympics or anything? Just barely. Just okay, a little bit. So like there's this kid, Noah Lyles. He's 18 years old, 19 years old. He's a 200 meter sprinter. Do you think it's possible for an 18 or 19 year old to have 10,000 hours of deep practice to be elite at this sport? Right? Um, there are many examples like that where you can just say like, no, clearly this isn't true. The thing is, is what it's the average time it takes. Um, but what we see is that the truly elite athletes, similar to like LeBron James, like he was a master of the sport by 18, 19 years old, 
by all accounts, right? He was one of the top hundred players in the world. Again, like you can't have that much time in by that age. Right. Um, so like those kind of things you see like the most elite of the fields tend to get there closer to somewhere between 3000 and 5000 hours. Um, and then some people are just like genetic freaks and just show up and they're there. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you mentioned the, uh, the sprinters in um, Jamaica, like obviously like same bolt is, is the big one. Everybody knows. Um, and you're thinking there's uh it's beyond just the 10,000 hours. There must be something like either like a genetic component or like a nature versus nurture situation. And um, to expand on that, I'm, I'm not finished the book yet, but have you read the book um, born to run? I'm, I don't, I have not. I don't think so. That's, that's related to this is a uh, it's about this um this journalist who goes down into this uh, uh place in mexico where there's these um uh i guess native americans you would you would say because it's north america but there's a group there's a tribe of native americans who just like their whole philosophy and their whole culture is based around upon like running but not just running like ultra marathon distance running yeah and um he takes them to uh a couple of them to bad water which is that ultra marathon race and uh and they like perform like really really well and it's not like they had like all these like you know like scientific like super like advanced like protocols and like um progressions and like programs but they've just like kind of just like developed like over time to become these like almost like elite like like runners like um in this like kind of place in mexico so kind of like yeah but uh, i would say maybe like even jamaica yeah, I think I think it's a combination of nature nurture, right? So like no one would argue that speed is not genetically dependent. I wouldn't think. Like if you've played sports, like some guys have it and some guys don't. Right. Um it can be developed and then what you see in communities where that is the sport is all of the talent goes into it so now you're getting the very best of sprinters. Right. Like someone someone made that analogy with the United States at the World Cup. And it's like, could you imagine if we had, you know, Mike Trout or any, you know, any other guys, Mookie Betts from the baseball world? And then you have LeBron James playing goalie for you. And I mean, <laughs> think about like like I was watching uh, the 76ers Cavs game last night and like Donovan Mitchell's only six foot one and is able to play in the NBA comfortably dunk and like he's so explosive if you put that dude on a soccer field right you know i can't imagine he wouldn't be very very good true true yeah you know, so we don't have that competitive advantage if you will in soccer specifically and and you could even say the same with um uh like olympic level weightlifting is like in the u it's getting more popular in the u.s but in the relative comparison these countries like Russia and China. And I don't know if it's that, that the people love the sport, but it's highly encouraged that the people participate in the sport. Where it's yeah. like much more, there's a lot more people doing it, in other words. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, like with having government stipends, I remember there's a guy, Kendrick Ferris, um, who's actually yeah. from, Louis- from Louisiana. So, like, he did some seminars. Matt Bruce was right up the road in Louisiana from where we were, and he did a couple of seminars. And, like, those dudes have jobs, and, like, they get no government support. And what you're talking about from Russia and China, like, they are paid by the government to be professional weightlifters. Right. And and like some of the things we know about training adaptation and mitigating stress, it's like if you have to work a full time job and then try to train either before or after you're giving up your recovery, you're putting cognitive energy into something other than your sport, like none of it's as conducive as if you were just a full time athlete. Totally. Do you think when it comes to professional crossfit obviously there's there's some guys that can some guys and girls that can do it because they're getting the sponsorships and they're getting like they, they can do it as a full-time job but 
um, a lot of people can't. A lot of people are working that second job. Um, so it's kind of, it. I feel like we haven't really seen like what the true potential of it can really be comparative to like the NBA, like, like um, fresh where there's a lot of athletes being paid, like, okay, here's your, here's your money, whether it's through sponsors, through like state sponsored or whatever, like go, go train full time. Like we don't really see too many people being able to do that. Yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot of untapped potential. I think uh, Frazier is probably the closest we've seen to like the true professional. And that's not to say that there aren't professional athletes out there. Um, mm. But when you talk about like the ability to, I mean, he was at the OTC out in Colorado for weightlifting for right. many years prior to CrossFit and then moved into CrossFit and his parents were, you know, high level athletes themselves. So like he understood the discipline that comes with some of that and some of the sacrifices that come with that. And then his personality is very much from what I can gather. I've only briefly met him, but like, very much like, okay, I need to do these things to be at the level that I want to be at. And then just taking every decision he makes, like, is this moving the needle towards, towards where I want to go or not? And if it's not, then I'm not doing it. Totally. You know, it's just kind of that more callous, like rational view of everything. And he just doesn't seem to need that social interaction the way that some other athletes do. Right. Um, but I mean, it's getting there. It's definitely getting there. And you see the rate of progress in the sport is still astronomical, but it's definitely slowing compared to um, what we've seen from, let's say, 2011 to 2015. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, every year it's like, okay, we're just moving up by a little bit, a little bit versus like the huge leaps in like performance that we were seeing back when it first started. For yeah, sure. for sure. That's so, cool. uh, yeah, I mean, I hope that it gets to a point where we can have 50, 100 true professional athletes on, you know, either side. And then I would love to see the sport get to a point where the teams are professional as well. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, now that we've done away with the affiliate cup model, like, let's, you know, start trying to professionalize that as well. Um, I do think it would be beneficial to the sport to not have them at the same time. Like, even if it was just separated by a few weeks, um, yeah, it's just a, it's tough. What do you think about the, um, the way they designed uh semifinal this year, instead of doing the, everyone having different programming, you have one solid program that everyone follows. You know, I'm kind of neutral on that. I don't think. It, I mean, it does matter because in my mind, right, if you put 30 athletes on the floor and you say, here are the workouts, as long as we all perform to our potential, the order of finish is predetermined Yeah. because, you know, like if we just give a set of like, hey, your 1RM is going to be a squat snatch instead of a clean and jerk, it's like, well, that just moved athlete A from third place down to eighth place and then they have a couple of other bad workouts so like it does matter but mm -hmm. I don't know that it's going to be any better or worse um you right. know I mean when when I was competing in the sport HQ programmed everything yeah. um the only thing I will say is I don't love knowing athletes knowing the workouts three or four weeks in advance which I think is the case for a couple of regions um about that and and it's nothing to do with them having a competitive advantage because they're competing against people who also have that same knowledge it's right. more that when you start focusing in on six workouts exclusively for mm -hmm. a month like we saw it a couple of years ago with the west coast classic we had a bunch of athletes on site going there and just Elbows were getting achy, shoulders were getting a little bit wonky, knees were starting to be painful because you're just training the same movements over and over again. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would probably prefer to see that eliminated, but I don't know that there's a way to do that if HQ is going to program everything. Yeah, I mean, unless they could somehow, this would be a probably logistical nightmare, but 
have all the competition on the same day. <laughs> like, yeah. Out the night before the style, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think in the athlete's interest, they should know at least a couple weeks in advance, especially if there's a new skill being thrown out there. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest issue with, with doing it all at once is the judging. They only have so many judges that they truly trust. And when you, start expanding the amount of judges required on a given weekend like you're going to start seeing it look like local competitions and some of those videos are you know <laughs> less than desirable yeah definitely that's that's and, sometimes stuff that gives a gives crossfitter the bad name when you tell people you do yeah. crossfit oh is it yeah is that okay for your body <laughs> like yeah don't worry about the viral videos that's not how it is it's like yeah definitely yeah it's tough this like <laughs> right yeah for sure um all right so uh, uh let's dive into a little bit more about um i guess so obviously i want to talk a little bit about training think tank about um about hq because that's that's super cool that you're you're there you're in the trenches um obviously training think tank has been working with high level athletes um for a long time um, you know, uh, Mike McGoldrick is, is someone who I've just known from, uh, watching Barbell Shrugs for so many yeah. years. Um, Travis Mayer, a really high level athlete, Noah Olson, um, Alexis is Raptus. Is that how you say your last name? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what's it like? I mean, one, just being around that kind of like level of, uh, like expertise, including yourself, um, and just level of skill, but also what's it like programming, Cause I mean, and obviously we have a mutual connection through, um, Matt early who I've, uh, and we'll talk about this as well, but, uh, what's like from for programming for different levels, like for the highest and also for people who are just mm -hmm. in the and then somewhere everybody kind of in between. Yeah. So programming for different levels on my end, right. So the way that we work with high level athletes, um, is someone like Travis, Noah, Alexis all have their primary contact points as coaches um so travis and noah both have max alexis has adam um we can you know go down the list of other athletes um that we have who are maybe not as prominent but everyone has like their primary coach and i don't have anybody one-on-one -on -one who's at the games or like top 10 semifinals level um so for me that programming looks like for them it is just running. Like I am diving into their running technique, um, writing some of their progressions, and then just communicating with the coach about the qualities that they need to train. Um, but when you're talking about programming at that level, like the amount of things that you need to account for and have the athlete prepared for is um, kind of mind boggling. And like, watching some of those coaches figure that out you have to stay so on top of the sport right like you they're at that level like you as a as coaches we need to know what's coming out at rogue what's going to happen at wadapalooza and then even some of the smaller comps because if one of them has something really creative you can bet that someone else is going to steal it um so just having the various implements and, and things that they need to be prepared for. Um, and then just the volume that they can handle is remarkable. Like <laughs> it is one of those things that like when you start coaching some of the athletes at that level, you're like, I, just, I don't want to hurt them, but like they, they take, they bid. Yeah. And they have to have it. Right. Because if they, don't have that type of volume tolerance they're um at a competitive disadvantage when they go to compete because you know you if you show up on day two or three and you can barely walk because there were a hundred pistols in the workout the day before like you're not qualifying for the games or you're definitely not performing if you're at the games right um so yeah so that at the high level it's I mean, it, it's basically just organized chaos. Like you're writing structured progressions for their specific weaknesses. 
Um, but everything else is just really chaotic. When you kind of step down a level, there's more structure. Um, you know, when you're talking about athletes trying to make the semifinals level like Matt that you mentioned earlier, um, we're going to write a lot more structured progressions around the things that are limiting them from getting to their desired level. Um, and then the chaos still needs to be there, but it's more injected into the program than like as comprehensive. Um, and then kind of working down to the general wellness, my personal philosophy is like structure strength and then everything else can be fairly chaotic, but low volume. Like you just don't need to beat people up if like, if my mom is doing CrossFit, which she was for a while, like she doesn't need to do a tota bar, sandbag clean, farmer's carry workout. Like it just, that doesn't matter to her. She can do most of her work cyclically and um, just structure the strength so that she's able to live a better life. Totally. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of a bird's eye view answer of that, but that's uh, kind of. Really, um, and, and just to what you were just speaking about was kind of like the, the general wellness. Um, I'm, I'm sure. Do you know the um, active gut life guys? The Dr. Sean? I'm familiar. Yeah, I'm familiar with them. I've not um, ever really worked with them before, but. They, they're pretty big on their, their whole niche is like kind of like the general wellness or I right. guess they've spread out but one of their niches would be the general wellness population and if you if you follow any of their instagram they're they're really big on that like if you have someone like like you were saying like your mom or, or like someone like general wellness working on crosses like we don't need to do this high level stuff we just need to get them in the gym feel good keep them coming back and just like build strength and just get them consistent yeah 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 so for sure i think it, and it's it gets tough when you get into affiliates and that's where like in my ideal world like affiliates would have that kind of like divided path of like people who want to kind of treat it like a sport and people who want to do more general health stuff mm. you know i mean because the general health stuff yes we need coaching on the strength portions and things like that but if if all i'm having you do is sled pushes sled drags assault bike rowing like you don't need as much oversight in your conditioning yeah right on the days that we do kettlebell swings or something like that sure we need a little bit more oversight but um it's almost like crossfit boot camp is the solution in my mind for long-term health and wellness right i like that i know i know there's a couple of gyms that try to that that do that but i don't think a lot of gyms do it really well <laughs> <laughs> I don't have, and the thing is like, I don't have an answer for how to do it well, because yeah, I agree. like, you, have, you like, what are you going to ask your coach to coach two different classes for an hour at $20 an hour? Like, it's, yeah, it's definitely tough. It's, I agree. I think that's, I think that's a really good point because like, if you're having two people with two completely different goals, obviously you have those scaling options, but it would almost be better to have them doing two separate workouts to, yeah. Uh, um, no, I, I like that. I think that's good. Um, and then, uh, I guess a follow-up question on Matt. So someone like Matt, I want to talk about, um, cause his, his goal is semifinal or to, to compete at the highest level that he possibly can, um, within CrossFit. Um, and, uh, you, you've been working with him for a while. I've, I've been seeing him for a while as, as a PT, because uh, of a back injury that he had had. Um, and I tell everybody all the time, uh, I, I said on a recent podcast, I was, so um, I was I was so blown away by because he was showing me some of the programming that you were writing for him about like a lot of like the movement related work and like the rehab style work that you were that you were giving him and um, like I think one of the examples was like I was telling someone about the uh, like the uh, McGill Big Three you were having them do in the very beginning I'm like oh man that's I didn't even think like most people knew about that like outside of the, like the physical therapy world in general so I'm like that, that's some cool stuff like this guy really knows like beyond just like programming like you, you like really yeah. dove deep into like this, the health and fitness world for sure. 
So just it's been cool working like collaborating with you on uh on his um recovery and, and training. Yeah, for sure. One of the things we've benefited from, right, is the various backgrounds of athletes that we have. So um, you know, like just you had mentioned like Mike played hockey um not far from here Atlanta here. He went to MTSU out in Murfreesboro. So he like he played hockey. I guess they have like a club level sport. Um, but he was a very good hockey player. Brandon played football collegiately. Adam played soccer collegiately. So did Becky. Um, going down like Max played D1 football and wrestled at the Division One level. Um, and you just kind of like my background in baseball, like you have so many various protocols that we're able to pull from those areas, like the shoulder rehab stuff and prehab stuff that I got from baseball and things like that, that it's been really helpful to be able to sit down and pick people's brains on, hey, you know, I have this athlete who keeps, you know, tweaking their elbow every time we do rope climbs. Who's had that before? What have you done that's worked? And, you know, so it, it's, you know, collaborating with each other. And then anytime an athlete gets outsourced and we have someone as communicative as you are, now I get to pull stuff like I'm not writing rehab programs. That's not my scope, right? But hey, this is something that was really helpful from a rehab standpoint. Would it be appropriate from a prehabilitation standpoint to keep them healthy? Totally. I would say if you have the time, the answer is probably yes. Yeah, totally. So, so it's like I get to incorporate those kind of things um, every time. And then I've been fortunate to, to be friends. You know, my fiance is a, an occupational therapist and therefore has friends who are physical therapists and getting to hear some of their thoughts on things like one, they work, um, she works at a spinal cord rehabilitation center. Um, and hearing one of the PT's thoughts about like, oh, if you can trick them into doing something, then like they'll do it and the pain like receptors won't activate because they're too focused on something, doing something goofy, right? Yeah. Like if you've ever seen, what is it? Is it 10 cup where like the guy has him like wear the hat backwards and the T behind his ear, and, like put the glove on inside out and it's like, okay, you do all of that. And then the swing's perfect. It's because you're not thinking about the swing. Right. Um, and that's something I've actually been able to use in like a return to pressing program where I'll put people in like a half kneeling lunge while grab, like while balancing something in the other hand and pressing. Mm -hmm. And they're like, so focused on everything else that's going on that they like, forget that they're supposed to be in pain when they press yeah that that stuff's so cool like from a neurological perspective like being able to change have the same pattern but change almost like the the sensory output of like the brain doesn't really think this is this is no longer a hazardous or like a um you know a noxious or, or painful stimulus but you're doing the same thing you're kind of like you're, you're almost like tricking the brain to be able to to do that a different yeah. way so now that that is some pretty cool cool stuff um super helpful with the the return to squatting too like okay you you're having a lot of pain with doing air squat well let's get you in quadruped like hands and knees let's see yeah. if we can do back and forth oh that feels good all right let's try it in this position like yeah yes yeah. yeah, been from that's really cool from a spinal cord um facility like the neurological perspective you can get on that because the nervous yeah. system is wild <laughs> yeah yeah. And, and I mean, like they're, they're in mostly with like people who are paralyzed. Yeah. Um, so like they know that like long-term these people probably aren't walking, but you know, still getting them to function as optimally as possible to interact with the world. Um, cool. Cool. you know, it, it's a really cool thing that they're doing over there. Yeah. Um, I got a, Couple more questions for you. I, sure. I don't want to take up too too much of your time. Um, so we got so he's 
here's a question I, I was thinking of as I was uh, preparing for the podcast. So trending think tanks, it's been around for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And has had, it's been really successful both in from a performance standpoint, but also I feel like as a company, it, it's grown really well. Um, um, yeah. Worldwide, I'd probably even say. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have we have athletes worldwide and we now have coaches, uh, one in Taiwan. Uh, Marco actually just came down for a couple weeks, um, at the end of last month, beginning of this month. And then, um, Matt Gilpin is in Australia. Um, so we're kind of, I mean, I don't honestly know what the end goal is. Like if it's to get them back here or if it's for them to stay there, um, yeah. but yeah, we're, we're growing. And then athlete wise, I mean, we have athletes everywhere. <laughs> so. Uh, so, yeah. So obviously success on the competition floor, success of the company. Um, is there any, I, I wrote down X, is there any X factor? Is there anything you can really like chalk this up to or, or any traits so you can say like, okay, this, this is why we're, this is why we're doing so well, or this is why I think what things are going in the right direction. Um, Man, to isolate anything, I think is uh, a fool's errand. But <laughs> my the the biggest thing that I would I would say is Max's ability to put together a staff that is very growth oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not satisfied with writing, you know adequate programs when we are capable of writing great programs um and his ability to continue that with every hire and i think finding the personalities that fit into that mold has probably been one of the biggest things and then you know the ability for everyone to assimilate into the culture and be a productive member of the team um so yeah, I mean, I think it start everything. Everything always starts at the top, right? And Max's um, created that kind of system where you know he's put good people in in the same room, and he leads from the front. I mean, you see the athletes that he's coached and the success that he's had um, as a coach, and that's a big factor. Is like we know some of the things that he's done from a work ethic perspective that you're like all right well i don't know that i can match that but i'm gonna do my best that's cool yeah i i it was one of those questions i was thinking about like i wonder if there's anything you can can really put a uh put a finger on because it's not it's hard it's a hard question to ask but i, I think that was a great answer yeah someone a great team great leadership putting the right people in the right right seats essentially um yeah awesome and and not and not uh sat being satisfied with being adequate <laughs> just put out good good product good programs they're yeah. great that's awesome um as far as a, a client perspective like we're, we're working with individual clients and this mm-hmm. could be intermediates uh, advanced what would you say are some of the biggest roadblocks that get into people's way from um making progress or, or, or hitting their goals or um um being able to, to continue with the, um, consistency or compliance. Yeah. Um, if I'm being completely honest, like I think the biggest thing that holds 90% of the athletes that I work with back is their recovery. Um, very specifically their sleep. So, um, you know, people will send me their whoop reports for the month and it's like six hours and 15 minutes on average, seven hours, you know, life gets in the way. It's hard for some people. I mean, I have people who are up at five 30 to get to work and they don't get back from work until five 30. And then they're, they got to hit the gym and like nutrition is really hard. I'm not, it's not meant to be, you know, judgmental or anything it's just like that is the impediment is if you don't have the time to sleep or whatever like that's 
we know based on all the research how important it is. Um, and and some people, I think, don't really understand one the impact that it has, but also when you start getting ready for bed. I don't know why I had this thought was last night or the other night. Like it was like we started getting ready for bed at like nine forty-five. Well, a lot of people will be like, that's when I go to bed. And then I wake up at seven and it's like, oh, I'm getting nine hours and 15 minutes of sleep. And it's like, no, like you didn't get to sleep until at least 1030 if you started getting ready for bed at 945. So so like things like that, um, that's probably the the singular thing. And then it also amazes like how much people will invest in Theraguns and sauna memberships and stuff like that before they like they'll do all of these other protocols before they get their sleep. Yeah, I I was thinking about that the other day. I wonder why that is. Like, I, I don't know if it's just like hard to quantify, like from a from like a numbers perspective, really how much of an impact it has, or just like, or I mean, I know it's talked about more now than it maybe it was like five ten years ago. But yeah, I, I agree. It's like it's hard to get myself included. It's hard to like really make that like a top priority. Yeah, I would say that, in my opinion, it's the American work ethos. Mm. Um, and I mean, I'm American, so like clearly, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, but like it's it's the work ethic. Like, oh, if you're not working as hard as you can all the time, then you're not doing enough. So like, I'm going to yeah. work harder at recovery than you are. It's like, just chill out. That is recovery. Yeah. Um, you know, like do things like sauna like i'm using sauna protocols right now because i'm running boston in april and you never know what the weather's going to be like so yeah i want to have i want to be heat acclimated for sure but i don't need to do it year round i don't need to do some of the other stuff i might do it but um you know i think just the ability to calm down is more important than some of the other things that people are trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Now that that's cool. I was, and I think that's good insight. Um, Cause yeah, it is one of those things where people are like, yeah, yeah. Like, like nutrition, like you said, like, Oh yeah, yeah. I know it's important, but it just gets put on the back burner so often. And it, it's, yeah. it's why that happens. But I think you're right. It's just kind of like, may, maybe it's, maybe it's the price tag and the theragun like oh if i buy this it'll be better but you can't like really buy sleep i, I don't know there's, there's something about yeah. back burner <laughs> for sure and nutrition's that nutrition's another one man like it's funny because you, you get like i work with a nutrition coach so we have this set of protocols for macronutrients and we're talking about right now like intra run um fueling just because you know, it's a long time to be out there for 26 miles and like you can't do it without fuel um, or at least you can't do it well. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's funny how easy it is to be like, stop measuring something. And before you know it, that tablespoon of almond butter turns into two tablespoons and you're a hundred calories off. And then that and it translates everywhere where it's like, oh, now I'm eyeballing my rice. And instead of 11 ounces of rice, I'm getting 14 ounces. And before you know it, you're 600 calories over what you're supposed to be eating. And your yeah. goal is to lose weight. Right, right. And not only are you not just staying at a plateau, you might be moving slightly in the wrong direction. <laughs> exactly. And then it's like, oh, well, the coach doesn't know what they're doing. It's like, eh, maybe, but... <laughs> Um, uh, I got I got one or two more questions for you. Then I'll sure. I'll let you. There's one that Matt I talked to him yesterday. This Matt wanted me to ask you, and I thought I had written it down, but maybe I didn't. So I'm sorry, Matt, if I if I didn't get to it. Um, there is one thing he wanted me to say, uh, which was, do you think he'll drown during the uh the Frogman swim this summer? No, <laughs> you <wanted> no. To know? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> with so I'm not I'm. I started swimming with um, one of our coaches, Kyle Ruth, who swam at Indiana University. And for people who don't know, that is like a premier swimming university. Um, so I started swimming with Kyle 
a few years back, I thought I was going to do a triathlon um, at the end of one summer and that it just never materialized, but I was way worse than that was. <laughs> and um, when you put those flippers on like the fins, it makes such a huge difference in your buoyancy. He's going to be fine. He's like, yeah, I was able, if I'm able to swim like for 700, 800 straight meters without fins on, he'll definitely be able to handle it. <laughs> All right, cool. He'll he'll be happy to hear that. Yeah. All right, so uh, I'm gonna leave you with uh, uh one last question. So so first of all, you can say afterwards um where where people can find you or or anything that that's coming up that you're excited about. But um one question, which is sometimes kind of a tough one for people to just pull off the the top of their head. But if you have a favorite quote, mantra, or saying, um, maybe not one, but that one that you like um and the way i describe this question is i take it directly from uh tim ferris's podcast which is uh um what's is is highway 95 does that go through atlanta georgia or that that's florida right no um i think 95 does go so we have 75 and 85 in atlanta so 95 would be east probably through savannah if i had to guess okay all right so we'll, yeah i'll say 85 then um so you get a, a billboard. So typically they're taken by, you know, the, the car car accident attorneys, but you get one of those billboards. Uh, yeah. You can say something to like your community or, um, uh, or, or a favorite quote, whatever, whatever you want on there. What, what would you put? Hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I have like something right off the top of my head that works well on a billboard. Yeah. Um, sure. So my my high school coach was really old school kind of guy, um, and it was a it was a cool experience getting to to play for him. Um, he was actually there was he has a book written about him. It's not a long book, but it's written by Michael Lewis, who um, wrote The Blind Side and Moneyball, and a couple of more popular books. Um, that have been turned into movies i believe but his mantra was when the next pitch and it's something that in high school you're like yeah yeah yeah. when the next pitch got it all right like you're 16 years old you don't really have a an understanding but you know as as life has progressed and it's like okay this didn't go well but the only thing i can do is control my actions moving forward and by sitting here dwelling on the past, like I'm wasting my time and energy doing something that has no potential to be productive. Like over time, yes, I should reflect upon the past, but not, you know, living in the past is detrimental. So um, that's something that's always kind of kind of stuck with me is because the game of baseball in general is made up of about 300, 400 pitches in a game. So like each individual moment has an opportunity to be big, but likely isn't. And right. dwelling on one minor issue potentially ruins the next 90% of what's going to happen. Um, so that's kind of something that I've adopted a lot more as I've gotten older and, you know, seen just how wise that was. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Almost like a, like a spinoff of like live in the moment, but like really action focused, like act like, yes. Action -focused. I, I like that a lot. I, I really like that quote. That's a good one. I'll put it on a billboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just hard. Cause like, if, unless you're unless you're like really being philosophical about it, you're like, I, I don't really get this. That's all right. Well, only a select few will get it. We'll, we'll take it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, no, that was great. I guess we'll leave off with um, where, where can people find you? Um, anything like exciting coming up? Um, yeah. So on Instagram, uh, Ryan underscore Sullivan underscore ttt i don't know if that's accurate or not but there are too many people with my name so it's spelled r-y-n-e so yeah. i think if you just searched ryan sullivan like you would probably not have too much trouble finding me um yeah aside from 
that, like some things coming up. Obviously, the Open's happening right now. We've got quarterfinals and then semifinals, so it's an exciting time for CrossFit. Um, and in that time, I am trying to train for Boston to run, you know, my best marathon, at least on that day, whether, you know, dependent and all of that good stuff. You have a, you have a goal you're shooting for for that? Ah, man, it's going to be, it's going to be very weather dependent. Um, so it's just that it impacts the race so much, but the goal will probably be somewhere between like 250 as like conditions are perfect and everything feels great um down to like just breaking three hours and qualifying again for it next year not that i'll run it again next year but just kind of like being able to run consistently sub three is huge that's so cool love it well uh thank you so much for your time man um and uh enjoy the wash party over at training yeah absolutely (laughs) will do cool all right thanks man all right Absolutely. We'll catch you later. Yeah.